Hello everyone, Brad and Dave here to give you the lowdown on leveling up your content with Anchor FM. Thanks to Anchor, our show, the PDH Pod, went from an idea between a few friends to a weekly podcast in no time at all. You know that's right. If you got a passion and want the entire world to know about it, Anchor will help you get there. Whether you want to share your thoughts on string theory's implications on the quantum universe, or you just like cats, Anchor.fm is the best place to make your voice heard. It only takes a few clicks to get on this global platform, and if we can do it, anybody can do it. With the convenience of being able to record, compose, and edit on any device, and with custom ads, like this one we're doing right now, Anchor really is the best place to host your podcast. Not to mention pulling in some sweet ad revenue. That's right, Dave. Would you say that we're on an international juggernaut of unstoppable audio content? I would not. But we're close. All right, well, global domination aside, if you're looking for an easy-to-use platform on which to share a little slice of your own world with the masses, Anchor.fm is definitely the way to go. Exactly. Just record, edit, and share, just like we're getting ready to do. Now, on to the show. I brought proper text at the party. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the PDH Pod, a Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad, and with me today are my co-hosts from the East Coast, Dave, a.k.a. Alcadron, and the PDH PhD Pauper Commander. How are you guys doing this evening? I'm doing all right. Good to hear. Good to hear. I am... uh, I wanted to officially thank you guys for um, putting together this little project with me. Um, it's sort of my little brainchild, but I'm hoping it goes somewhere, kind of make it everybody's show, a community show, just as much as like the, the Popper format's a community format. Yeah, absolutely. I understand that. I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, Popper, you know, PDH is where my heart is in Magic right now, and I just don't have the skills to kind of do this thing on the back end, so... I'm happy to help you on the front end if you're willing to help me on the back end. Yeah, let's let's hope I have what it takes on the back end too. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. But I think so. I think we'll, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I'm I'm delighted to be a part of this. I've been I've been very into PDH for a while, but I'm not sure how podcasts work. So uh, it's fun to fun to be on this side of one. Yeah. See, I think that's hopefully why it'll work out. I have a little more podcast uh, experience and a little less PDH experience, and you guys are sort of the opposite of that. So I hope kind of all kind of come together and, and make something out of it hopefully it's the perfect storm yeah that's what i'm thinking <laughs> like my grape shot the other night <laughs> <laughs> i knew that was coming <laughs> nice all right i think um kind of with that out of the way we can jump into we sort of have a uh, a bifurcated main topic if you will this uh whole episode this episode number one just going to sort of be introducing ourselves to the people to the listeners as well as uh, just kind of going over the basics of what Popper Commander is, what PDH is. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I want to get into it, but I don't know what it is. How do you play? What are the rules? This sort of thing. So I'm hoping that most of this um, episode will be dedicated to sort of clearing that up. What do you think? Yeah, I think that'll be a great first step to helping people get into the format. Good deal. Good deal. Well, I thought it'd be helpful if we did spend this first episode introducing ourselves, like I said, to the listeners and to the format. Um, so I think we just sort of need to go around the table and introduce ourselves. I think Alcadron, do you want to do you want to kick things off? You know, start with a little bit about your uh, quote unquote MTG resume, how you got started in Popper or PDH um, and all its variations and that sort of thing. I would be delighted. Uh, so my name is Alcadron. My, my name is also Dave. I started playing Magic in early 95. When I was about 10 years old, I've been playing pretty much nonstop ever since. The game is very near and dear to my heart. I got into Popper Commander from the EDH side of things. I've never been very interested in like Popper as a 60-card format. Okay. I kind of don't really go in for competitive constructed like at all anymore. I, I lived through Combo Winter in 97, and I, <laughs> I'm still recovering from that. Right. So, um, <laughs> Competitive constructed formats are no good for me. I, I do enjoy PDH, though. I feel like it's just got a lot to offer over EDH. I got into it in about 2012-ish, 2013-ish. Okay. I don't remember exactly when. It was sort of a slow transition. I do remember looking at the spoilers for Born of the Gods and seeing 
Spellheart Chimera and thinking that's going to be a juicer. Right. <laughs> and it really was. It was. Yeah. Right, uh-huh. right up until Spellheart or uh, Crackles showed yep. up and ruined everything for me. So yeah, I've been around a while. I am pretty engaged in the Popper home base Discord community if you want to come drop in and say hi to me there. I'm also on the rules committee for uh, Popper EDH. I help make the decisions that uh, everyone hates. Right. So <laughs> you can send me hate mail as well. And I'm delighted to be here to promote the format some more. That's where I'm at. Excellent. Yeah, and you mentioned the PDH, um, the home base. They have a website and a Discord. I will put the links to both of those down in the, the bottom of the podcast notes there. So if you're not in there, check them out. If you haven't seen the website, check it out. A lot of good resources and that sort of thing. Popper Command, do you want to take the take the wheel next? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I got into magic around Theros, the original Theros block. That is when I learned the rules of the game, uh, when I learned that Llanowar Elves absolutely does not fetch you a force from your deck. Um, <laughs> I've been playing since about middle high school. Uh, it was about the time I started. I played all the way through college. I picked up Papa actually in high school, uh, Papa the 60-card format, when it was kind of like a super-budget format. I mean, it still is the super-budget format, but it was, you know, cheaper um, than it is now. And that's kind of how I played Magic and enjoyed it for a while. I have since uh, moved into Papa EDH because my playgroup actually transitioned from a uh, casual kitchen table to doing events and stuff, and they like to play EDH. Uh, unfortunately, that does not really work with my play style. I am absolutely hyper-casual. Uh, you know, Battle Cruise is kind of where I like to be, but I'm also the person who you find has a deck of everything is chair tribal, or, you know, it's ladies looking left. I'm, I'm that player. <laughs> uh, okay. So... Popper EDH is kind of where I find my home because I can make decks that fit my power level and can still kind of compete with my friends' EDH decks by flying under the radar a bit. But that's what I like to play MTG as. I am actually a magic judge as well. I will try my best to answer any rules questions on the fly I can as they come up in the podcast. Sure. Uh, although I am still fairly new, I'm a level one. I certified right at the beginning of uh, the whole COVID thing. I was an RA for a while, a rules advisor, so it's not really the rules of the game I have problems with. It's, it's more of the uh, policy when it comes to tournaments. That's what I'm still learning. That's what I'm still getting at. But overall, I hope to be a help, and I hope to have fun. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't talk to a whole lot of judges you know, in person or online or anything, but I know I hit you up on Twitter quite a bit with rules questions. I think I did less than an hour ago. Yeah, I think it's like at this point once every other day. Yeah, <laughs> whether it's through DM or, or just straight up on Twitter, one of the two. But yeah, I'm always hitting you up for something. But I don't, I don't know what the average knowledge of a level one judge is, but but I think you're definitely top of the curve. You haven't been able to, or you haven't not answered anything so far. So yeah, when it comes to the like the comprehensive rules, I'm on top of it. When it comes to the IPG and the draw, I'm gonna point to somewhere else. <laughs> Well, excellent, excellent. I think pretty much, yeah, I, uh, same with you, Dave. I sort of got into Magic the Gathering late 94, early 95-ish. You know, one of my friends had handed me a stack of cards and said, here, you're going to play this game. And I kind of haven't really looked back. Uh, I've taken a couple breaks from the game for a couple years here, two or three years there, that sort of thing. I got mainly back into it almost full-time around Cons of Tarkir era. But I wasn't really playing. I was just like buying packs and singles like regularly just just to sort of feel like I was involved in the game. And I guess a few years after that, like I never really played in a lot of like tournaments or anything, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. It was all like type two and extended and that sort of thing. But I never really got too much into that scene. A couple local card shops would run an event here and there. and I'd play in one or two, but I never aspired to be like a, a pro player or anything like that. Like the decks I build sort of like Popper Command, like they're just not they're not meant for that you know i have no delusions that my my janky brew is going to end up at the the top of a tournament bracket or anything like that i believe Um, in you right (laughs) well thank you thank you um yeah and i guess around 2017 2018 is when i really got into pauper i knew of it before um i even built one of my first um pauper decks was elves and that was 10 or 12 years ago when i first heard about the format and i was just like oh hey i have all these one drop you know elves i could just throw them in a deck and it's like ten dollars whatever and that was cool so i knew that pauper was a thing but i didn't know it was such a deep format or such a popular format until about 2017 2018 and that's when i started finding podcasts and regular youtube content and that sort of thing and started my 
my little humble Twitter um, popper account at the very beginning, about two months before COVID hit, the very beginning of 2020. And I haven't really looked back. You know, I was trying to get real grindy and real competitive for a while. And I sort of like mentally burned myself out on that, like MTGO. And because that was the only real outlet to play anything of any substance, I guess. And then it just, I, I think... I think it might have been mentioned before, but PDH Popper Commander just just felt like a natural evolution, I guess, for for my play style, for the for the way I like to build decks, the way I like to play my decks, the games I like to play. So I, I've been pretty much knee deep into this format for about a year, maybe a little bit, yes, less than a year, and I absolutely love it. So I'm hoping that the three of us combined can can make this something special and teach the people about the format and bring more people in. Believe in I us. believe in us. We can do it. <laughs> Honestly, when I started my Twitter account, uh, Papa Command, I wasn't really looking to be any kind of huge big-time content creator. I was more looking to be kind of a like a pseudo-MTG personality, someone who just took a format they loved and propped it up. I don't really want to be super big, but propping up what I love and getting more people involved is what I want to do. Exactly. That's that's pretty much where I'm at, too. And that sort of leads us into the second half of the main topic. What is it? You know, we're going to try to do a little bit of step by step about the format itself. But, it, it, you know, we all sort of feel that like Popper Commander is a format that everyone should play or at least try it out, especially if you're already a fan of EDH or multiplayer style games. Most of what we going to talk about tonight most of what we're going to cover tonight can be found at pdhhomebase.com that's that's like the main site and it's discord is pretty much the same name like i said i'll, I'll post an invite in the details that's going to be the most direct route for all the information and really you know if you ever just want to browse some some good brews some quote-unquote tier decks or maybe see if there's a meta you know in certain areas you know moxfield has a nice Popper EDH category. Scryfall recently added a Popper Commander category, I believe. I, I think it was yeah. recently, anyway. Absolutely. Yep, I use that quite a bit when I'm looking when I'm when I have a starting point for for a brew, you know, or I find a commander, and those are generally the places I yep. go to start out with. When you're on Scryfall and you're looking at a code, uh, it gives you all those format legality bubbles. Popper Commander won't show mm -hmm. up there, but as a such term, uh, legal colon. Uh, I think there's it, a couple different things you put there. You can put Papa Commander, you can put PDH. Uh, there's a couple different things you put there, but uh, they'll just bring up your Papa Commander legal cards. And honestly, that kind of support from Scryfall and from Oxfield, I think has really helped prop up the format in recent years. Yeah, I think that's huge. Um, I'm actually surprised that like Goldfish, MCG Goldfish, hasn't put on a, a Popper Commander like format yeah, or whatever exactly. category. There is one small little squirrely bit on Scryfall, and that is that we have like... There's two different flavors of PDH okay. legal, and Scryfall doesn't support that very well. So, like, right now what we're doing is cards that go into the 99 are marked as legal. Cards that can be your commander are marked as restricted. Mm. Oh, okay. So if you see something that is restricted in PDH, that means, like, it's an uncommon creature that goes <laughs> in the command zone. So it's not, like, illegal like right. a mythic or something. And then, yeah, the mythics and rares. And, like, we get into a little bit of trouble because, like, there's some overlap there. Like Crypt Rats is both a common yeah, and an sure. uncommon, so like yeah. legal or restricted. So like we're it's it's a work in progress. But uh, yeah, mem members of the rule committee are are working with Scryfall to uh, make sure that all that stays updated and, and okay. In, in so the, the the RP is actually you guys work with Scryfall directly. It's not something they just decided overnight. Like hey, we should put this on there. No, yeah, we uh, I I don't know if you guys are familiar with an RC member named mm -hmm. Clay. He's uh he's in charge of the the tryhard yep. Discord server. He's he's sort of the guy with the the connections. He's been he's been working tirelessly since he joined to like you know reach out to Moxfield, reach out to Scryfall. He's he's been in contact with these people to try and get us the the support the the structural supports that we need to really promote the format. The man is a legend, and if you see him, tell him I said hi. That kind of personifies what Popper is all about, anyway. You know, as far as like community building, community sort of thing. So no, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know the um, rules committee had really anything to do with Scryfall. I assume they just sort of like saw some people talking about it and decided to make a format on their website. <laughs> so, uh, there's a, a couple more steps than that, but that's not not completely <laughs> inaccurate, but there's a... No, there's that's a great. One. Well, if you don't mind, we'll hop into the second half of the main topic here. Uh, Mr. Level 1 Judge, do you want to sort of start guiding us through what is PDH for those that literally have no idea and just stumbled upon this podcast somehow? Yeah, so PDH is the uh, all-star 5 out of 5 uh, top tier format, as we've clearly made it out to be so far. Uh, yep. In short, it is Papa Commando. Uh, you know, replace that E with a P and you're good to go. The deck building is almost exactly like EDH's. It's 100 card singleton 
with the exception of your basics. All cards within the 99 must fit within the commander's color identity. But here's where it gets weird. So the 98 or 99, because yes, we have partners, uh, card deck must be all cards printed in the common rarity. I believe that has been changed to be unified as well. It can be including uh, online uh, cards as well. So like Felwar Stone, for example, has been printed at a common in a Magic Online promo, but it has never been printed as common in paper. The commander, as mentioned before, can be any uncommon creature, regardless of its legendary stats. So the same applies here for the commanders in the nine, as does the 99 in regards to rarity. So uh, interestingly enough, there is a card called Bastion Protector, which is kind of like my... Uh, one of my two uh, favorites to put out here, Fashion Protector can be a commander. In paper, it's only ever been printed as a rare, but it has an uncommon printing on Magic Online. And Fashion Protector gives plus two, plus two, and indestructible to your commander creatures. Well, turns out when it's your commander, it's a three mana, five, five indestructible. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, my other one that right. I like to prop up is Loyal Guardian. It is a, a green rhino creature. The CMC is escaping me at this time. Oh, sorry, the, the mana value is escaping me at this time. But it has that lieutenant mechanic where if you control your commander, you get this thing. Well, when it's your commander, you control it. So stuff like that, when you, when you transfer it to proper EDH, can get a little weird, but it makes for interesting gameplay. Yeah, e- I, oh, sorry. absolutely. Yep. Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. It comes to the gameplay, uh, EDH versus PDH. Uh, multiplayer is how the format is best played in uh, positive 3 or 4, but there is a dual proper EDH community where it's 1v1. Uh, life totals actually start at 30 instead of 40, and the commander damage is 16 combat damage, not 21. There is a prominent playgroup called PDH Pals who do record and do a lot of Twitch streaming. They like to play at regular commander rules of 40 damage and 21 commander damage. And since mm-hmm. I typically play with my friends who play their EDH decks, that tends to be why I play too. And honestly, I couldn't tell you uh, which one is better, but the official PDH rules are 30 starting life and 16 commander damage. It is still combat damage. It is not your spell damage. So sorry, folks. I, I just want to quickly interject yep. that um, I don't think the 30, 16, or 40, 21 is a matter of what's better. It's it's really just a matter of Absolutely. what kind of games you want. 40, 21 is very grindy, right. which is what the PDH yep, files are all that's about. That's my bad for saying better. I, it is absolutely personal preference. And, and we'll get to the rule zero later down the line. The regular commander rules apply with command zone and command attacks. So I know the uh, PDHRSD works tirelessly to make sure that the rules are as similar and seamless between formats as possible, uh, just like the EDHRSD does. So I know they work very hard uh, with the recent mechanic uh, backgrounds from uh, Command Legends 2. I know they worked really hard to make that as make as much sense as it can. Right. Yeah, that was probably a tricky one for everybody. Absolutely. That one's been controversial. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, to say the least. I think everybody had a yeah. had a little different opinion about that. Yeah. And uh, continuing with some commander oddities, uh, with even with the rise of some more uncommon legendary creatures being printed that we've seen in recent sets, a lot of the popular and older uh, PH commanders were actually never meant to be in the command zone. They, you know, don't have legendary status, and as such, they have weird rules interactions when you put them in that zone. So mm-hmm. activated abilities such as ninjutsu or cycling. Since they specifically work from hand, they do not work from the command zone. You will need to find a way to put those commanders in your hand if you want to use those abilities. Right. The commander must be a creature spell. Dryad Arbor, I'm sorry, you're not a spell, you're a land. So <laughs> you cannot play Dryad Arbor as your commander. Alternate casting costs or modes, such as mutate or morph, do work from the command zone. However, it should be noted that commander tax applies to the alternate casting cost and mode you choose to pay. So casting the command in an alternate way will increase the tax on it as if it were cast normally. Adventures. This new casting mode set up a lot of confusion in 2019 in uh, EDH, but I know in proper EDH, you know, we have commanders that can be cast as adventures. So right. the best way to clarify that, an adventure, can, an adventure creature can be cast in the command zone by its adventure. They share a commander tax. And when the adventure spell is moved between zones, it can be replaced to be moved to the command zone, just like a creature would. If the creature is cast from exile via the adventure, tax does not apply. Going to read that again. (laughs) Yes, please do. The adventures, they share a commander tax with their creature. And when the adventure spell is moved between zones, it can be replaced to be moved to the command zone, just like a creature would. If the creature Mm -hmm. is cast from exile via the adventure, tax does not apply. A little tricky. Okay. 
I recommend what I recommend rewinding the video, getting your nearest venture spell out, and just kind of watching as I say it and moving it between zones. Right. Best way to do it. Are you are you reading that from the the, the home base website? Uh, I'm not. I'm reading it from my Twitter. Oh, okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say like that technically hasn't been a replacement for like a year or so now. I was thinking right. that was from the yeah. website. I was like, oh no, we have to we have to change that. No, I know, Dave. Um, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask Dave that um, I know I get a lot whenever uh, people new to the format ask me about it and or they, they see a thread of me and whoever else talking about it and they say, well, I don't really, you know, it sounds cool, but I don't really get it because, you know, I play regular EDH or, you know, just EDH and I don't know how you could play PDH because there's just not very many legendary uncommons. I, th- I feel like that's one of the biggest hurdles for people familiar with EDH trying to make the hurt, you know, the obstacle into PDH. The biggest thing in my recommendation is go to your favorite set, go to the signpost on yep, commons, there's two colors, they put them in every set, pick your favorite color combination. Best commander to start with. And honestly, I'm going over a lot of these exceptions, and most of them you won't really ever see. Um, like the adventure thing, I don't think I've ever run into anyone running an adventure creature as a commando, partially because it's confusing, but also partially right. because you know not a lot of them are the best commanders to be running. I have an adventure deck. I have two actually. I love them. Oh well, yeah. you just have to be the exception, Dave. <laughs> I do. I'm just. Be, I'm here to be difficult. That's that's my that's whole right. theme. But but you know my my point is you're allowed any uncommon creature. So go wild, have fun. Um, there's a lot of different weird combinations you can get out there without even touching some of the stuff. Yep, and we've even got. Uh, I think the last time I searched on Scryfall, which I don't think it's changed. I think we have what three or. Four actual five color commanders at uncommon. I think there's five. Now. Those are five. There's a there's a pseudo cycle of three knights, and then the fusion elemental, the phoenix, and then there's two colorless cards with five color identity, the sphinx and the golem. Yep. yep. So there's uh, six or seven now, I think. Yep. So literally, we do have five. We do not. <laughs> we do not have four color right. yet. We'll have nope. to work on that. <laughs> yeah. If you want four color, you'll have to yeah. use the five color one. Continuing on, we've got a partner with from Battle Bond. Uh, so you probably remember this, going over creatures that are never intended to be commanders, there is a cycle of five enemy pairs with partner with. Uh, these are mostly forgettable, but I do recommend te- checking them out. One of the common competitive decks actually comes from this. I believe it's Lay and Boar Weaver. They are an interesting pair. And as with commander, the deck that would be run by those two have 98 cards because you have an additional commander and tax is still tracked separately. And then we get on to regular partner with commander legends. Regular Putner got a boost as a whole, but we got a bunch of uncommon mono-colored legends with Putner. These can obviously be a commander because they're uncommon creatures, and you know they're also legendary, so that's kind of cool. But they follow the same rules as Putner with, is that not a, a deck of 98, taxes trapped separately, that kind of stuff. The ban list for Popper EDH is uh, super sweet and to the point. Uh, Ristic Study and Mystic Remora. I do remember when these cards were banned. They were banned, I believe it was last April, uh, kind of like... 9 p.m. at night. It was a little weird. Uh, sorry. 9 p.m. Eastern. It was a little weird. I was, you know, kind of vibing out, chilling, uh, reading some article, and then I accidentally like, refreshed the page and saw there was a new article. Oh, first bands for the format. And all of my blue decks instantly plummeted. $30. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're, uh, you're these, welcome. These yeah, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, thank you. Uh, these, cards, <laughs> these cards are just insane. Um, I, you know, I'm saying Ristic Study Mystic Remora. I'm willing to bet most of our listeners didn't even know those were common. Yep. Uh, yes, they, they were common. Uh, old magic design was whack. You know, Force of Will was an uncommon, so downshift, right. please. <laughs> What's wild about Ristic is that it was it was a common, and in Prophecy, no one cared about no. it. No. Like, at the time oh, yeah. it was originally printed, oh, yeah. like, multiplayer formats were, like, EDH wasn't Not a thing. Was barely yeah. a thing at yep. all. Like multiplayer formats were very niche, small community things. Like there wasn't any endorsed multiplayer. And in one v one, Ristic is actively a bad card. Like it deserves its common printing. I want to take people through a a thought experiment, like real quick for a minute. Sure. You know, Ristic study. Most of you probably find out this is a common for the first time. You know, how does this card not ravage the Papa format? How is it not banned there? As Dave just said, it's horrible in one v one. Right? Have you ever gotten your commander pod down to just a 1v1 and then dropped a Ristic study? You don't. You just discard it to hand size because it does nothing at that yeah. point. Partially because the game is ending, but also partially because, like, you know, that person's just always going to pay for it. They don't have to rely on two other opponents to also pay for it. So 
you know, it makes sense to be banned here. Uh, also, because I think when Mystic Study and Mystic Rumor were banned, Kaldheim had like just come out, Strixhaven was still relatively new, and behold, the multiverse, the four mana blue draw spell with Portel from Kaldheim was the instant replacement for Mystic Study. And I don't think anything else has really come up to be that big of a problem as those two cards were. They just generated so much damage so fast that was hardly interactable in TBH. There's a couple of cards we've talked about, but nothing nothing has gotten any traction. Right. Yeah, no, nothing that's been as obscene as they were. Yeah. And then you've got your usual, uh, you know, the anti-mechanic, conspiracy card type, uh, cards without a black border printing, you know, uh, and all cards that Watsby have removed from constructed one. And then after the ban list, you've got rule zero. You know, of course, rule zero is still a thing. This is a variant of Commando, and this is a casual format. So if your playgroup decides, say, only want to use uncommon legends, or maybe they only want to play with cards that have paper printings in common. You know, get rid of those fellow stones, get rid of those right. uh, bastion protectors. Right? You can have that conversation. You can choose. Or maybe they want to. Uh, we'll know, maybe they want to have partners on commanders that don't have partner on them. <laughs> I've I've done yeah, that. That's, I've, that's uh, one of my favorites. Yeah. I've got I've got like four decks that all break the rules for various different reasons, and I I'm very partial to all of them. Yep. My, I, I am a, you know, I'm a, you know, as a judge, it's kind of weird. I am, I very much love Rule Zero. Um, I, oh, yeah. I don't think there's a rule in a game, in any game, there was no rule that I love more than Rule Zero in, in Magic. I'm, I'm a little more strict with it than some people, you know, I, I tend to be like, oh, you want to use those two, those two commanders have, you know, partner on them. Okay, cool. What's the flavor reason? You have to convince me, but if you can do it, you know, well enough, I'll usually allow it. Here's, here's my favorite rule zero, okay. and I've, I've been wanting to talk about this since you mentioned the PDH pals and that combat damage is always commander damage, uh-huh. or c- commander damage uh-huh. is combat damage. The, the best rule zero in the entire format is Goblin Test Pilot's ability does commander damage, and it can take the Monarch. Hold on, hold on. Why? Let me, let me, let me look this card <laughs> up. Because if you, can, if you can pull it off, you've earned it. Goblin Test Pilot, one in the... <laughs> you know, three you know minute two with flying and you yes. tap it deals two damage to a creature or player so any target chosen at chosen random, at random. Mm-hmm. <laughs> chosen at random if you if you can pull it off if you can snipe the monarch you've earned it oh, you, des- you deserve that card draw. yeah 100 <laughs> percent. this is this is quintessentially pals meta you know what i'll allow yeah, that that's beautiful beautiful yep. <laughs> absolutely and like yeah i don't know i don't know if it's just because of my 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 freshness to the format or what it is but i had to look up like as we were talking about it i had to look up goblin test pilot because i've never heard of that card before oh uh, you need to watch more pals yeah I, pals I really stable. do i really do they stream on what tuesday nights is that correct is that their schedule yeah yeah tuesday and thursday nights. okay yeah 7 p.m eastern um, on twitch and that's another thing I loved about 60 card popper was, you know, the quote unquote uh, brew potential. But, you know, you add however many thousands of uncommon creatures into that mix and it just it just grows exponentially. So like like today, like right now, I'm learning of a, new, a brand new creature. <laughs> Good one. Yep. Now, Dave, do you want to I mean, I know a lot of people are probably familiar with it, but you don't have to go into super detail. But you want to kind of touch over the rules committee, maybe how you became part of it or what it actually looks at you know i can't imagine that the amount of product that watsi's pushing out can be super easy on a rules committee um but yeah, yeah. sort of take us through that real quick sure so uh the rules committee kind of i i'm i'm gonna get in trouble when i say this out loud but i think i think in many ways it sort of like just sort of happened mm-hmm. kind of a little bit on accident like there was there was not as much intentionality here as one would ideally hope for but um i've mentioned the pdh home base this is sort of like the, the big website is sort of like the centralized location for, for all things PDH. Right. And the Discord server has, I think, last count, like 1,200 going on, maybe 1,300 members. So this is, as far as we know, the, the largest PDH community there is. Right. It's moderated by a guy named Pod. And uh, at some point when rules interactions started to get really co- sort of complicated and dicey, we all sort of got together as like moderators of, of the, the, the Discord and we invited some other people that were format experts in various capacities, some some very high-profile CPDH players, some other uh, PDH players from from other really big communities. And we sort of got you know the the best and brightest minds we could find, and said we need to we need to present a unified front on a lot of these goofy interactions. Sure. Like cycling from the command zone had always been like a thing that wasn't very interesting, but then you know when Ikoria happened, we got these creatures that when you cycle them 
you get to put counters on things like the the Titanoth Rex, I think it's called. When you cycle it, you get to put a trample counter on something. And so then, like, suddenly there was interest in using this as a commander, and can you cycle it from the command zone? Uh, when Modern Horizons dropped, we got Ingenious Infiltrator, this incredible ninjas card. Yeah. And everyone wanted to know, can you use ninjutsu from the command zone? So there were these things that sort of, like, had always before been, like, rule zero conversations with your playgroup. And we, we, we got together and we said, we want to make a unified front. We want, to, we want to provide one set of standardized rules that everyone can use as a default. And that way, when someone shows up and wants to do a rule zero conversation, that can be a thing that they talk about. Like, I, I for one, am completely fine with Ingenious Infiltrator being ninjutsu from the command zone if that accumulates commander tags. Oh, sure. I think yep. that that's completely fair. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's technically against the rules, so, like, this is a thing that you need to talk about. And that's what, what we as the Rules Committee did. I sort of got accidentally grandfathered onto it because I was an editor for the PDH Homebase articles. Okay. Which put me in the PDH Management Discord channel. <laughs> and then, by, by virtue of being very active in that channel i was invited onto the the rules committee right which i very graciously accepted from there like you know every time something new comes up like when adventure happened we had a field day working out how that was supposed to work and like how how can we present this in the most intuitive way that everyone will understand that's also fair you know obviously anytime you cast that card from the command zone like, it doesn't matter if you're casting the creature half or the spell half. Like, you should be accumulating and paying the tax on it. But then if you cast it from exile, that's not from the command zone. Tax shouldn't apply. Right. These are the, the sort of the closest we could get to common sense interpretations <laughs> of these things. Right. Now, were you guys like the um, the rules committee? I know with the uh, actual EDH rules committee and all that, you know, it's not, I don't want to say it's common. It's less than uncommon. But, you know, they, they've banned cards before the card ever saw a store shelf, you know, like Lutri. Oh, you know, yeah. do you guys, does the PDH rules committee, when a new set comes out, are you eyeballing for cards like that? Or is it just something like, oh, you know, we'll deal with it if and when it becomes a problem? Like, how do you monitor new sets, I guess? I, I don't think we've ever even thought about banning a card before it hit shelves or anything like that. Banning is something that most of the rules committee is very strongly opposed to banning as a concept. Okay. They want the format to be very self-regulating. Like, if there's a powerful card, you should expect to see it in a lot of decks, and you should expect to see answers to it in a lot of decks, and you should expect the sort of multiplayer format to sort of help regulate and govern the effects of this powerful card. Mystic and Ristic got the hammer because they were just catastrophically game-warping. Anytime they resolved, the game changed overwhelmingly. Yeah. Uh, and they, they had to go. Uh, but since then, like, the only the only card that has even generated any meaningful debate since then has been Oubliette, and that was after they changed... They, they eroded it so that it functioned less like a weird Oblivion ring right. that tracked counters and auras, and they eroded it into phasing. Right. Which was a huge deal for us because that changes the way... Like, you know, before, when Oubliette functioned like Oblivion ring, if it hit a commander, you could just put it in the command zone. Right. But when, it, when that commander no longer exists, like, anywhere... <laughs> right. If you phase it out, there's just nothing you can do. So this has been this has been a, a topic of discussion that comes up every now and again. But again, the rules committee is very sort of like philosophically opposed to banning anything. They want this to be a complete last resort. Sure. And Which it uh, should be. overwhelmingly they feel that I'm oh, sorry, what? No, I guess that's how it should be. I'm the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm sort of with them on this. Like I I hate the card oubliette. I think it's really frustrating to play against. I don't keep it in any of my casual decks and if someone if someone busts out of me in a casual game i will i will give them the death glare for the next right. hour at least <laughs> same way uh but like in the competitive scene it's sort of fine like there are enough answers to it that it it sort of works out decently ish enough i guess it's not causing enough of a problem to warrant a ban there right is the opinion of most of the rc right i, so. I think ha half of my paper pdh decks you know have black have black pips in them and i think i own a total of like two oubliettes like it's just not a, like you were saying it's not a card that i necessarily care to play on a casual level yeah i agree so all i got from that was two things i have a new goal play oubliette against dave <laughs> no <laughs> and then and then put oubliette in more decks because i can't count on brad having that, it. yeah that that's 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 a very <laughs> fair it. point yeah Rude. got it I mean, fair. It's some premium removal. Um, you know, I, I try to be. You know, I'm, I'm very much with you. Like, if I'm building a a, a 
hyper casual deck and you know me saying hyper casual is a joke but if i'm if i'm saying if i'm building a hyper casual deck it's probably not making it in there right because you know there's no chair in the artwork but <laughs> but if i am building kind of uh like the other day i uh built an old border line foot pdx deck oubliettes in there uh because the removal options are a joke so yeah because every card in the deck had to be printed at common in an old border. I've, I've got a couple of things. The removal options are a joke. <laughs> so yeah. uh, Oubliette made it into that deck. But, right, not a necessity more than anything else. Exactly. And honestly, like that Oubliette, will, in that Oubliette in that deck will probably almost never target a commander just because it's going to target whatever's killing me. Yeah, that's kind of how I am yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. Sorry, we had a little little break there. What do you do? I think it's mainly, this mainly comes from my interactions on Twitter with a lot of EDH players. How do you, do you approach an EDH player with PDH? Or is it one of those things where they just sort of hear about it or they see you playing and they're like, ooh, what's that? You know? <laughs> I, I am always pushing PDH on all of my EDH friends. I, uh, whenever I go to an LGS and I know there's going to be EDH players there, <laughs> I always bring a handful of my pauper EDH decks that happen to have legendary commanders. Okay. So that I can I can just play my PDH decks against them, and that this is how I proselytize the format to them. Uh, okay. Yep, it's always very sort of startling for them because I don't sleeve my decks, so I'll just sit down and start like bridging raw cards in front of them, and then they'll get panicked and I'll say, no, no, no it's fine, it's all commons. This is a popper deck, and they'll say, oh, it must suck, and then I zada <laughs> them, and it's really really satisfying. Yeah, yeah, uh, and they're like, satisfying. oh. Maybe, maybe this format has legs. I should check it out. And this is this is my standard pitch. That that is a fantastic pitch, but that also hurts my soul. <laughs> I, it's fine. It's common. Right. One of my PDH goals is make a deck that I am absolutely fine being unsleeved, but I, I've not gotten there yet. Um, Oof, I don't know if I can do. Yeah. No. Uh, the way the way that I approach PDH and and uh, my my playgroups about it is so uh, I actually build almost all my decks with two commanders. I build them with a legendary commander and a, a you know, what I, I call a, a PDH commander, you know, an uncommon creature that's not legendary. Uh, that way, when I'm playing a PDH game, I can, you know, have a little more variety and, and play the PDH style commander. But when I'm playing with my friends at the store, they see a legendary creature and, you know, I don't really have to have that pregame discussion, uh, you know, about, you know, my deck and what my commander is because it's legendary now you know you have that pregame discussion you're like hey so you know tell us about your deck what power is that like oh it's all commons right and they're like oh mess suck and you know tatia doesn't suck <laughs> at all um uh, i cannot count how many times i've won with that tatia of a pdh deck before it's six it's obscene because they just they hear it's all commons and they ignore me the the point is i i usually do that and my playgroup does something special uh and this is actually how uh the playgroup has regulated like edh power level is very frequently we will just swap decks or everyone brings like eight decks and you know they hand a deck to the friend across the table from them so because we swap decks a lot no one wants to have super uber expensive cards right. and so that's how i get them to try pdh decks i shove them a pdh deck and you know one that isn't like chair tribe why i shove them like my competitive <laughs> tag over or something it gets them interested and i have gotten two people to start looking at PDH commanders from the new commander legend set because of this method that I use. Uh, it's a little sneaky, but I think it gets the job done. So I love it. Yeah, I do too. This is brilliant. <laughs> it, it is pretty brilliant. It's very sneaky. I love it. It's like, I'm going to force you to play this and you're going to love it. Yep. And that, that generally works too. I, I've noticed just, it, it, you know, just on Twitter, just heck, just the threads that, that you and I are in sometimes that go for 10, 15, 20, you know, replies. Just out of the blue, somebody will be like, what are you talking about? That sounds fun. Or I've been thinking about build the deck for a long time. Can you point me in the right direction? That sort of thing. And like, by the time they're looking at deck lists online, it's like, you know, you got them. At least for one game, you probably got them. I think the funny thing is like, like there'll be someone who's like, you know, I'm looking to build, like we saw someone the other day who was like, I'm looking to build an Ajila strictly for the Azra odds maker interaction. Yep. Uh -huh. And then you popped on and you were like, try PD8. And I popped on and like gave him like a couple cud 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 things. Then I popped on and gave him like rules references. And then like I think like three or four tweets down, they were like, "All right, I'm gonna have to build PDH." Yeah. <laughs> and it's just you, you gotta tag team them. <laughs> I'm I'm wounded and disappointed that no one gave them the deck tech to my Azure Oddsmaker list. I don't think I, I didn't that know existed. that existed. 
that explains it. <laughs> is this so your your content is that on PDH home base or do you have a YouTube channel? Oh, no, or... no, I, I've got a couple deck techs. They're all on the PDH Pals YouTube channel. Okay. Because I, okay. The, okay. When when I build a when I do a deck tech, it's for a deck that sucks. Right. <laughs> like, I don't want to expose that to the normal population. It's very pals meta. Yeah, I got you. But the kind of meta where like Goblin Test Pilot needs its own house rules. <laughs> like <laughs> that's the level we're talking about here. Perfect. So yeah, all all of my deck techs are on the 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 PDH pals YouTube. Okay, excellent. Good to know. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll put them in the uh the show notes as it were. Sweet. Yep. And then um I know that that almost wraps it up i know there's a couple other things we can talk about we decided uh before the show that a couple of the topics we're probably going to make entire episodes out of next week we'll get into some set reviews maybe a few days late from the actual set release but we'll get into some ballers gate and i think that'll be a good opportunity to especially for newer people newer to the format new obviously new listeners as well but to hear about how we sort of evaluate cards for the format you know Baldur's Gate was specifically made for Commander and sort of as a byproduct, we got a lot of cards for it as well. So that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, we got a lot, yeah, of, we got a lot of stuff. Um, that's a bit of an understanding. <laughs> yeah, were you guys pretty busy at the Rules Committee with the um, backgrounds and all that? Oh, the backgrounds have been a nightmare for the last month. Have they? I bet. But I mean, even even completely aside from that, like just the, the sheer gas we got at Common is like... Yeah, it's outstanding. Yeah. And... From the judge sphere as well, backgrounds have been interesting because, you know, you get the question, do these deal commander damage? <laughs> like, well, though you're a commander, so yes. But then you get people like, okay, so it's dealing, you know, five damage to you. You 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 take you take five commandos. Like, well, it's not effect damage. It's still combat damage. And then you have the puzzling look of like, well, how's my enchantment going to deal combat <laughs> damage? Uh, and that's for you to figure out as the brewer. <laughs> that's um, for you but, to figure out. Yep. <laughs> Backgrounds, backgrounds have made judges very sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's made the rules committee pretty sad. Too. Yeah. Well, that's not true. Like, I love the idea of backgrounds. I'm very excited to to be brewing oh, yeah. with them as this 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 new take on partner. I think it's going to be really fascinating. In flavor wise, I think uh, they were just a home run. It it looks amazing. Yeah. yeah, I'm very excited about them. But they from from a rules perspective wise, they have they have raised at least a few headaches. There's a lot of overhead. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think really the only other thing that we could even touch on in this sort of introductory episode would be, and I know it's been mentioned a couple times before, uh, a few minutes ago or what have you, that uh, we have a PDH scene or PDH, you know, casual scene. And then we also have just like EDH, we also have a CPDH, which is a competitive popper uh, commander format. I personally don't play that one a whole lot. I think I have maybe one deck that would qualify i have i actually have zada so that would probably qualify as a, mm-hmm. a oh, yeah, um but outside of that it's not something i really play but that's our sort of competitive 1v1 um format is there anything you guys wanted to add about that and specifically i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily call it 1v1 you can still play cpdh in a pot okay uh, i think the biggest distinction is definitely power level and card quality uh because with pop commander you have the hooks that Papa has where you can just play whatever you want. You want to play Ikoya, Draft Draft, Papa EDH, you go for it. And honestly, that deck will probably hold up fairly well in a standard PDH mm-hmm. pot. Competitive is going to be looking for the more powerful engine-like commanders that honestly do work in a regular EDH game. Uh, so a lot of times I notice these tend to be uncommon legendary creatures or adjacent to them. Uh, so, you know, I'm talking like we've talked about Zada, we've talked about Tatiova, but then I even mentioned Lay and Lore Weaver, like they're just Tatiova adjacent. Right. So yeah. <laughs> they they kind of, you know, get in there by association. I think the, the main thing is is where the decks tend to be fairly tuned and the card quality just tends to be high. So probably playing blue or green will get you there. Uh, no, uh, that, that's how I tend to, to distinguish that. I wouldn't say 1v1 versus pod, because that, that's more just dual PDH versus PDH. I would definitely say kind of power level, just like EDH and CEDH. It's, you know, is it a 9 or 10, or is it, you know, every deck's a 7, that kind of thing. Right, and you mentioned playing blue or green. You know, if there's any classic popper or 60-card popper players listening to this, you know, we, we have Gush. Mm-hmm. We have Gitaxian Probe. You know, oh, yeah. We have, oh, we have all of it. <laughs> We have all that stuff. Astrolabe? Do, do, we have Astrolabe, yes. Do you, do you remember the, the big blue band? Yeah, we have yeah, all Blue of Monday and never happened over here. So, yeah. yeah. But I think, I think my, 
the way that I determine if a deck is CPDH, but for me personally, uh, I, I wouldn't say this is the metric to go by, but for me personally, if the deck holds up consistently and is probably a combo deck, but can, can be uh, aggro-based, if it holds up consistently in a regular EDH pod, and I'm not talking low-power EDH, I'm talking, you know, higher than pre-cons, you know, these are decks people have put time and effort into, it probably qualifies as CPDH. If it struggles a bit, it's probably just regular PDH. And, and that's just my personal metric, because I play with a lot of legendary creatures. Okay. The, the quick things I'd, I'd like to add to the CPDH discussion are, yeah. um, it's a lot more interaction than yeah. regular PDH. Pauper Commander mentioned that there's a lot of combo decks at that level, and there are. You would be surprised at how many combos function with only commons. There, there are a lot of them, and they are high power. They do require... Did you, did you know that Peregrine Drake was a common? Peregrine Drake is a common. <laughs> nope. There's, oh boy. The, the combos require a couple more pieces, which also means that they're a little bit more vulnerable, which means that CPDH mm-hmm. games are oftentimes won and lost based on whether or not you can disrupt one of your opponent's key combo pieces. I touched on that Peregrine Drake combo. You know, in EDH, you've got Drake, and then there's 10 other cards that make a two card combo with it. Uh, Dead Eye Navigator comes to mind. So Drake, Dead Eye Navigator, two card, infinite mana. In PDH, it's Drake, and then an Archaeomancer variant, and then Ghostly Flicker or Displaced. And then after that, it's you know, what's your win con? Because that's just infinite mana. You know, are you <laughs> doing cast? Are you doing cast off that ghost? Like, are you doing ETB, LTB with uh, Drake and Archaeomancer? Are, are you maybe doing Sunscorch Desert? That's my favorite win con in Tapio, by the way. Is Sunscorch Desert everyone to death? It's the uh, colorless land that comes in and deals one damage to target uh-huh. player. Oh, it's amazing. But yeah, that, that it, like, like uh, Dave was saying, the, the combos have a lot more pieces. You know, that was four pieces instead of two. And that's the most efficient way to run that combo in TPH. Yeah. It's very much, it is much more interactable. And also that there's a lot of non-combo competitive options. Uh, sure. Those have been growing in popularity lately. There was a sort of, the, 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 the people that I tend to think of as like the old guard of competitive PDH are very, very heavy combo focused. And they've sort of got a, a new wave of players came in and were dissatisfied with, with what was presented as the top tier decks and said, I this is too combo heavy. I'm doing something else. I'm gonna make my own meta with grindy stuff, and they've they've done that. They have. Uh... Quintorius is a beating. Who? I'm sorry. Quintorius the elephant. Oh, Quintorius uh, is a beating. He is, yeah, yeah. He is I, a beating. I have a I have a deck that uses Essior and Keleth that I have an enormous amount of fun with at at competitive pods, and that deck has no win condition except Essior and Keleth. That's... <laughs> yeah, Essior and Keleth. The white and blue partners, the the uh, familiars for their colors, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you yeah. Wardwing and Kellith is the sun main familiar. Yeah. I call yeah. it. I call it Bird Horse. Nice. Now, Dave, do you have a uh, like a Moxfield, you know, collection of popper decks for all these sweet brews you've been talking about, or? I do. Yeah, I'm. You can find me on uh, Alcadron on Moxfield. I got all my decks up there. There's like eighty of them, I think, oh, at nice. this point. I like I like brewing, which is if I can briefly revisit that. How do you get people into this? Format, sure, yeah, absolutely. This is really a brewer's paradise. Like you have <laughs> more options for commanders than regular EDH. There's tons of stuff that's just been completely unexplored. If you're if you're the kind of brewer that goes on Ed Rec and just says these are the common cards I'll, or these are the popular cards, I'll use those. Like you're not going to enjoy this as much. This is the format yeah. where if you're going to be you know, here's this uncommon card that seems weird. Like, what can I find amongst commons that would let me do cool things with this? Like, the sky's the limit, my friends. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, similar, this is how I used to brew, like, 60-card pauper decks, but it wasn't very successful because I guess I just sort of had this mindset the whole time. But, you know, I'll go to Scryfall and, like, oh, I want to brew a deck with XYZ mechanic. So I'll just search up all uncommon creatures that care about that mechanic, and I'll just stare at it. You know, I'll just look through those cards for an hour. And before I know it, I've got three or four options for a deck, three or four options for commanders Mm -hmm. in different colors and all that sort of thing. The way that I approach it is, so I, 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 you know, am a judge, full knowledge, comprehensive rules, cannot play Magic for the life of me. Um, I (laughs) cannot cannot build a deck. Uh, Brewing's kind of rough, takes a couple days. You know, mulligans, that's a joke. If it's a a hand of seven, it's keepable. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, it, you think I'm kidding. Wait till you play a game with me. Uh, so I, I am very much the way that I like to approach PDH and it's still a brewer's paradise for me, uh, is I will actually take some other prominent members, uh, deck tackle list and, and I will absolutely net deck that straight into a scryfall list. And then 
I kind of pick and choose things like, oh, there's a cut in here that I don't like. You come out. Here's a cut I do like. You go in. And, you know, I take a removal piece out, put a removal piece in, take a card, draw out, put a card piece in. And I kind of I kind of manipulated the, the list to my liking. And I'll, I'll end up changing like 20, maybe 30 cards, like a, like a pre-con, basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, I take someone else's idea and I manipulate it to how I like it. If, if that's how you roll, that's how you roll. And, and I am very much the person who's like constantly just editing decks. Like I've got uh personally like 10 pdh decks that need changed up a bit before i put them on my moxville mm-hmm. page uh but i am starting a moxville page of, of all my decks that i play regularly and and you can like if you follow me like you'll look at the deck list take a screenshot it will not be the same in two right. weeks. <laughs> um at, at, like guaranteed you know you brought up a good point literally like 45 seconds ago that I, I sort of do the same thing. I just hadn't put it into words like you did. I would say probably 25, 30% of the paper decks I own are basically net decked. But I guess in a way, I, I was looking at those deck lists online as if they were a pre-con. I'm like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> Let's see what I have out of it. Oh, I have 85 of the 100 cards. Perfect. You know, that means I can I have 15 cards to to play with, to put in my own flavor with, that sort of thing. So I think that was a really good way to put it. Yeah. We did a deck building challenge at the PDH home base a while back. Mm-hmm. These are challenges we used to do a long time ago where we would we would create a set of like weird deck building constraints and every, anyone who wanted to participate could like try to build a PDH deck in a couple of days under these constraints. Oh wow. And we would vote on who built the best or the most original. Would they get played or was it just sort of based off the deck list itself? I I just wanted to bring this up because one of the uh one of the challenges we did uh, a couple of years ago was build a deck that you think would be an adequate PDH precon. Oh, okay. <laughs> like it was a really interesting topic, and one one of the one of the criteria for judging was like you kind of needed to be able to choose three different commanders that had the same color identity that were all sort of like vaguely interchangeable, uh-huh. but pulled That's the deck really in like subtle different directions. So that was a really fun deck building challenge for me. I uh, I got really into that one. I ended up building four of them. Nice. I didn't put any of them together like in in real cards, but I. Uh, I, I enjoyed building the lists. No, that, that's a really cool idea. I never even thought about something like that. Yeah, well, I think we kind of went through the bullet points here, got around the table, talked about some stuff. Did you guys have anything else to add before we hit the outro on episode number one? I, I'm good. I feel very satisfied with this. Yeah, I think it went well. What about you, TPC? I, I have I have one thing I'm going to add to okay. this. Is that seriously, for anyone looking to build PDH, go to the PDH home base webpage and Discord, get to know the rules but seriously take your favorite set look up on scryfall the signpost on comments for that set they are two colors even the monocolored zero sets the two colors pick your favorite color combination just if if you i'm going to use the most recent example that i can think of if you really loved innistrad uh midnight hunt and your favorite color combination is white black you're building flesh taker and flesh taker is really good it is like great. Just, it is my that. favorite card of all time. Just, now. just, just do it. Like, it, it's easy. And honestly, PDH decks, you know, you can you can bling them out. You can make them cost a regular EDH deck, or you can build a ten dollar PDH deck. Like, easy. they get that. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. Awesome. The the reason I ended up with like, you know, I have like eighty now, but when I got into it, I I very quickly ended up with about forty, and it was because every single time I saw an interesting <laughs> uncommon, I would just sit down with a with a magic card database. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, uh-huh. what would it look like if I designed a deck around this card? <laughs> and I would, exactly. I would put the whole thing together. And then, like, you know, five minutes later, I'd be like, what would it look like if I just ordered all of these cards from TCG Player? Yeah. And it was always like $4. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. Here's $4. Okay. Send me an entire deck. Shipping is more than the deck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I accept. Yeah, I think I have one paper deck that's like, as blinged out as I was comfortable making it, and that's composite golem. Like it's just weird, you know, infinite mana beautiful. Kind of that's beautiful. Um, and I did like the some of the secret layer lands and this and that, and foil mm. editions, this and that. And it's still, I think altogether was still like seventy dollars. You know, and it's yeah, yeah. like my most my most expensive PDH deck is was tattoo over at 70, but it's now gonna be slime foot at like one ten because of that Arabian Nights Uber. Um, you. <laughs> you got him. But like, but like that's that's why. Otherwise, it'd be a seventy dollar deck. Um, and most of that deck cost is actually being uh pushed up because it's all old border classic cards that have no supply. Um, if I took like four cards out of the deck, it's a fifteen dollar. Right, exactly. All that stuff sort like, of hit the, hit it's, the ceiling it's now. It's insane. One of my decks has a foil seventh ed counter spell, so I don't think I'm, oh my. I don't think 
my my most expensive deck is in the 110 category because <laughs> I think that card is like 150. Yeah, that deck, the card alone yeah. is two or three decks. Yeah, but you don't have to use foil seventh ed counter spells in your deck. No, you that deck for for everyone listening and panicking, that deck is sleeved. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. I don't. I'm not. I'm not ritual shuffling the counters. No, not at all. Yeah, I of the 10 PH decks I'm looking at on my shelf right now. Six out of the ten of them, the sleeves in the deck box cost twice as much yeah, as the deck does. Absolutely. So, literally, if instead of drafting this F and M, buy a PDH deck. You know, and that's a good thing too. Like you have so much more fun. With I that. know people, you know, make a joke about it, or they just, you know, leave their draft chaff on the table. But this is a format that thrives off those cards. Take yeah, it. 100%. If they give it to you, just take it. Yeah. I, I've I've taken to begging for it. I every time I go to a limited event, I uh, everyone I talk to, I go, hey. If at the end of this event you don't want any of the commons, I will like I will take those off your hands. Yes. You do not have to go home and try to sort them into your collection. Like Please. just leave them on the table. Oh, I don't even have to. I don't even have to beg anymore. They just sit them in front of me. Oh, that's nice. You're the popper guy at the show, at the shop. Oh, I'm absolutely the popper guy at the store. It's pretty sad. They just like I I end up with like five stacks beside me, and you know this sounds horrible, but they just get tossed in the backpack. Nice. <laughs> Deck boxes go in first. Commons. Commons get tossed in top, and I sort them like the next over the next week. But yeah, no, it's yeah, just build your next PDH deck. Yeah, like, completely shameless. You know, like it. you guys said earlier too, you know, you can pick one commander, and it's probably true in EDH. I've never actually brewed an EDH deck. I've just bought some precons or whatever. But you can pick one uncommon creature and build probably five decks around it. You know, mm-hmm. because they just like you said, they weren't made for this format. They weren't even made for regular commander or EDH. They're just they're so wide open that you could literally go in just about any direction with any of them for the most part. It's true. I, I mentioned the Azra Oddsmaker deck tech earlier. The reason I got into deck techs at all was because my, my Oddsmaker list was wildly different from the other Oddsmaker lists that all my friends were building, and I wanted to highlight that. And then I, I started making some others, and I realized that I have gone in some unconventional directions with some of these commanders, and the, the possibilities are really limitless. It's uh, do, do what makes you happy. Yeah. And it will make you happy. Yep, 100%. You know, and I'm not I'm not even above a proxy or two. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you need to to complete a oh, deck, just draw fun. it up or print it up or whatever you got to do. I don't care. Yeah, we got all those blank cards from like Zendikar through uh, Innistrad. Just find one in your collection. I know you have yeah, them. For real, yeah. My LTS everyone, awesome. everyone, everyone in the grandma has right. them. I, <laughs> I actually legit found one magnet, like magnetized to my grandma's fridge last week. Because at some point I took magic cards over to our house. I I don't know why. why probably playing with my siblings, but like it was just a magic back, you know, magnet on her fridge. And I pulled it off. And it was one of those cards. So like, actually, your grandma. Actually, your grandma has one. Has one. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> Confirmed. She she has a lot of random stuff on her fridge. Yeah, that's a good. Honest. So I'm not shocked the magic card ended right. up there. <laughs> Oh, well, it has been an absolute pleasure to sit down with you two, make two new friends, hopefully make a bunch of friends out there, and talk some PDH. Uh, we do want to thank everybody that yeah. tuned in. In the meantime, if you want more Popper Commander talk or have any questions about the format or any, you want to brew up a new deck and not sure where to start, anything like that, you can head on over to pdhhomebase.com. You can jump in their Discord. Like I said, I'll put all the links down below in the show details. You can hit me up on Twitter at Popper underscore B. Uh, Popper Command, do you want to give out your Twitter handle? Yeah, uh, at Popper Command. Pretty easy. Easy peasy. Alcadron, where can they find you? Is it mostly in the Discord there? Yeah, I'm I'm in the Popper Homebase Discord. I'm sadly not on Twitter. Uh, I'm on the Popper EDH Reddit as well. Okay, yeah, I didn't even think about mentioning that earlier. Yeah, there's a there's a Reddit for the format and everything. I only just remembered it existed. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just I haven't Reddited Reddited in years, so I just sort of forgot about it. That's completely fair. Yep, and also kind of tangential to the show itself, I'll be starting this Saturday. Actually, I'll be streaming every Saturday night. PDH pods. We usually. The first time we did it, we did two games, but we'll have at least one game going every uh, every Saturday night at 5 p.m. Central. And there's actually a sign-up sheet. It's pretty much just open to the public. It, the sign-up sheet is in my pinned tweet on Twitter. So if you guys want to sign up, get in there, sign up. If for some reason you can't access Twitter or the sheet, just let me know. I'll put you in, and we'll go from there. And I, I do stream them, so be prepared to like have your voice on Twitch and all that good stuff. Is, is there a way for us Twitterless folks to... Put our names on the sign-up. Yeah, 100%. Sheet. I'll do that when we're done recording here. Just um, awesome. Or I'll send it to you. I'll share it through Google Docs or Google Sheets or whatever it is. Perfect. Yep, we'll get it going. I think this Saturday is obviously booked. Next Saturday might be full. And then pretty wide open after that. So sign up for one or sign up for them all, however you want to do it. 
Nice. But yeah, I think that uh, pulls the curtain on this episode of the PDH Pod. I want to thank MTG Brad for letting us use their original music. And lastly, from everyone in here to everyone out there, go brew a deck and go play a deck, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace. See you. Cheers. I brought pump decks to the party. Party.